first off, Drew, it's Mike, way up in Michigan. What's up, my brother? Uh, I think that I think that we all saw or maybe didn't see. I don't know. I thought the mellow signing was a terrible idea because the one thing that they got rid of in the offseason is they got rid of all their defense, which is what they kind of helped them last year get to as far as they got. Um, so when you get rid of your – or not get rid of, but when you allow two of your best defensive players to leave in free agency and then you bring in Carmelo Anthony, which you didn't need any more scoring. You actually needed more defense. It was a terrible idea because – Carl Mello Anthony can't even spell defense, nor has he ever tried to play defense. So those are things that I think that they probably didn't look at. Daryl Morey gave him a shot. It didn't work. Cut his losses real quick. Didn't really cost him much. Um, but with Joakim Noah on it, on a roster, I agree Mello should be on a roster. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 15 Minutes of Flame podcast. And I'm your host, Paper Drew. I want to go ahead and thank each and every one of you before we start this episode for tuning in, having taken the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. It is a follow-up of the previous episode that I did, which was entitled, I Need Answers. Joaquin Noah is in the NBA or on a current NBA roster, but not mellow. And I wanted to get some objective uh, thoughts and ideas and opinions on why you guys thought that mellow was not fit to be on an NBA roster, but that Joaquin Noah was able to get on a, a, a decent team at that. Not even a decent team. I'm saying a good team, um, not just any team. It was it's actually a very good team in the Western Conference of all conferences uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, as you see, my my one of my good friends, uh, Mike, was able to go ahead and uh, drop me a line and give us his opinion on the entire situation. And I agree with him. Um, I agree that it was a bad fit from the start. I agree that Melo does not play defense. Um, as you guys have probably heard, or if you're new to the podcast, I am a longtime New York Knicks fan. Obviously, Carmelo played some decent years. Um, I'm not saying some de- he played he played well uh, for the New York Knicks, with the exception of the last couple of years that he was there. Uh, the whole Phil Jackson saga. We won't get into how I feel about Phil Jackson, but. We will, uh, we will say that he played well for the New York Knicks, but defense was never his forte. While he was there, he had a bunch of different coaches, uh, Mike D'Antoni being one of them, and he doesn't preach defense. So, that being said, I think it was a bad fit from the start. Uh, Mike D'Antoni did wind up resigning or quitting, however you want to call it, from the New York Knicks in his tenure there. Uh, Mike Woodson wound up taking over, taking the team to... Um, the Eastern Conference uh, semis, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They lost to the Pacers, um, in which time they made a Roy Hibbert look like Superman, um, and we've never heard from Roy Hibbert again. Some of you don't even know who Roy Hibbert is now. So, just goes to show you um, how that all played out. Um, However, Mike D'Antoni did coach Mello, wind up, couldn't take it anymore, Offensive uh, strategies didn't match. The whole thing didn't work. He, I didn't think it was an issue so much with defense. It had more to do with Melo not moving the ball. Um, the seven seconds or less offense wasn't thriving with Melo on the court. Obviously, with Amari Stoudemire, before he started breaking down, he played very well. He was in MVP talks for the first half of the year that he was there. Um, after the Carmelo trade, things didn't really fit well. But then again, they kind of gave it the benefit of the doubt because 
it's mellow and they gave up pretty much the entire team for him and you know it's an it's a new player on a new team and a new scene so they kind of gave it they wanted to give it a chance um when carmelo went down with the injury jeremy lynn came out of nowhere it was an exciting month and some change for the new york knicks he moved the ball around obviously he had some moments where he obviously took the game over but in a point guard driven league in a point guard driven offense it, he looked great um, unfortunately for Jeremy Lin, we haven't heard too much great things from him since, and he's often been injured as well. So with that being said, I want to get to some of the other reactions um, that I went ahead and got from you guys over different social media platforms, and I want to share that here so I can you know, compile them all together, and then I'll go from there as far as um, some other developments in the entire Mellow uh, situation um, that's going on. So this has been, I, I made that podcast on, and I released it on the 6th of December, uh, somewhere around there. So it's been about a week and some change. And so I've had some time to get a lot of feedback from you guys. So I went ahead and I'm going to go ahead and start on my Instagram because I did go ahead and post it on there as well. And uh, one of my uh, good buddies on Instagram, his name is Mind of Huff. And I, think, I believe he has a uh, YouTube as well. So check him out if you can and if you want to. Um, I went ahead and dropped the same thing across all the platforms. So his response to me was, he's being blackballed. He's still an elite player. They just not wanting to use him right and put him in the right position like they did AI. It's a shame. Now, what I went ahead and replied to him was, facts. Same things happening all over again. SMH. And that means just shaking my head. Now, Orange and Blue Forever, he is a big Nick fan. We go back and forth about uh, Nick things, Nick ideas, uh, New York Knicks news, things of that nature. His reply to this was, he still has some game left in the tank. I do believe he's being blackballed a bit, but I also feel he kind of put himself in the situation he's currently in. The fact of the matter is the NBA has changed the days of the ISO score are over. If he would embrace a six-man role where he comes off the bench and lights it up, that'll be good for him now my response to him because i do agree with some of those points was i feel like he did accept that role in houston although i think if he had stayed in okc in the same role i think it had been i think it would have been better suited i think that the end dummy is what i call the antoni still had that axe to grind and he made it so the rockets are still getting mopped left and right and so clearly mellow wasn't the main issue now, at that time of me responding to him, the Rockets were getting mopped left and right. And I, I think they just beat, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers in a pretty um, lopsided win. Um, we'll talk about LeBron. If you guys want to talk about LeBron in a later uh, podcast episode, I will. I think I'm going to do it anyways because um, he's doing some crazy things with that team. And I think that uh, for those of you who are not fans of LeBron, you still have to respect or going to get to the point where you have to respect his greatness. Um, but staying on topic, that was from Instagram. And to expand on that whole six-man role thing, I think he did accept that that uh, that role in Houston. Uh, I think he made a, I think it may have been a little too late and in the wrong situation. I think if he would have stayed in OKC, it would have been a little bit better suited for him, having Paul George there, having... Uh, Russell Westbrook there those two talents of those two guys can really take the load off of Melo and 
they play defense. Um, so in that in that situation, because if we look at Houston, right? Houston again, D'Antoni, he doesn't preach defense. Um, it's an up and down team. Everybody's going to get their shots for the most part, and you know it, that's it is what it is because it's a free flowing offense. And maybe that's why Melo decided, hey, I'm going to go to I, I want to go to this team. Um, also, probably the only team that was really interested in him at the time was because everybody's going to get their shots, and he's going he's probably figured I'm going to get my shots. I'm probably not going to be here very long past this year. He probably didn't figure that they were going to go, you know, get very far. Um, I, I highly doubt it that he thought that that was going to happen, but he figured probably because Melo, if anything, is he's a businessman, so he probably was thinking, hey, listen, I'm going to get my shots up. It's going to be a free-flowing offense. I already know how D'Antoni works semi, and you know I'm going to get my shots. I'm going to be able to try out for another team essentially. I'm going to look good in this offense. I'm going to get my points, and then for next year I'll be ready to go to a different team. They'll probably you know pay me a little bit more money. I'll be in a better situation, so on and so forth. So this is just strictly thinking from a mellow um, standpoint, from not obviously now knowing him personally and then knowing any inside information, but going by his track record on what he's been known to do is he goes obviously for the money. He goes for this right situation, right fit, things of that nature. And he figured that obviously it's not going to be my way or the highway type situation with him nowadays because he's older. Then, you know, teams are not going to bend to his will as they would have back in the day. So I think that whole thing died out with New York and how they shipped him off. And that whole thing ended. I think teams kind of already saw the writing on the wall and I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall that he could be a good complimentary player after leaving OKC obviously he didn't show that he was he did too great in OKC so um, I think he just wanted this was more like a tryout for him and showcase that he still has some game left in, in the tank and then for the next year that he would be in this better situation or the Rockets would maybe showcase him a little bit more uh, depending on how things worked out now that being said him going to the Rockets and, you know, he, they don't play defense, you know. Um, Harden doesn't play defense, notoriously known for not playing defense. And Chris Paul can only play but so much defense. He's older now. He used to be league leader in steals and things of that nature. But he's older now. He has a lot of the load as far as offensive-wise to carry. He's going up and down the court. He's the floor general. So that. That takes a lot out of you when you're going con- consistently up and down the court, up and down the court, excuse me, to play defense and you run into offense and all that other good stuff. So, you know, um, it, it's one of those things where they don't play they don't play defense. James Harden doesn't play any defense. Uh, really nobody on that team, aside from Clint Capella uh, and P.J. Tucker, play any defense. And again, Mike D'Antoni, he's not going to harp on the fact that you need to play defense. So him staying in OKC, I think, would have been better suited for him because he has someone like Paul George, who is a 3 and D type of guy who plays defense, who prides himself on defense. You know, he stops the other team's best player nine times out of ten, or he's guarding the best player nine times out of ten. And so it's one of those things where, and Russell Westbrook plays 100 miles per hour, whether it be, you know, defense or whatever the case may be. So it's one of those things where, um, he he goes out and he goes out and just scores his buckets, and that's all they would really need from him. Now, if he would have came off the bench in OKC, he would have had 
carte blanche to do pretty much whatever he wanted to. The thing that didn't what didn't work in OKC is because uh, Russell Westbrook is real ball dominant, right? And that's okay in that particular setting because obviously he is he's the man uh, in OKC. Um, he has a complimentary player now in Paul George, and that they, they seem to be okay with their dynamic. However, the way that uh, Carmelo was playing and it was used to playing and how he came into OKC kind of last minute, it really didn't suit his game very well. So anybody who saw the game, you know, that was pretty much how, how it broke down, and, and you can see that. Now, for anybody who... So let's go... So now that's that's out of the way. Let's go to YouTube. And I, I did a... I dropped this on YouTube as well, and then shout-out to everybody who listened to the podcast on YouTube and, and gave feedback as well. Um... This is one of the comments from YouTube, uh, from Jay Real, the MVP. He commented, Def trying to blackball Mello. And I, in my opinion, he should not have went to Houston with Del, with D'Antoni. He had him in New York. My response to him was, facts. It was a bad idea from the jump. Dan, Dome, Dan Dummy set him up for failure. Uh, another comment was Assault Team Music Group. He put, that's what I'm saying. Joakim Noah been trash for years, and he got a job ASAP by the Memphis Grizzlies. How is this possible? <laughs> SMH. Um, and my response to him was, exactly, super trash. They've been doing mellow, they're doing mellow like they did Iverson. He responded to that with, the worst part is, though, Iverson didn't accept come off the bench. Carmelo did, and did it better than Eric Gordon, who's shooting a 36% field goal and 31% from three, but they released Melo in 10 games. He should have known not to go back to that old coach. He was better off going to Portland because Dame and CJ wanted him before OKC and Houston. My response was, yep, he accepted that role and they set him up. SMH. Man scored over 20 points in three of the 10 games and 17 in another. You can't tell me he's washed or doesn't play defense. The whole team doesn't play defense. That's in, with regards to Houston. And I'll get into what I'm referencing in those points uh, per game in, in a little bit. His response to me was, and look at Houston. They still have a bad team. And I think that if they kept Ariza, they would still be a bad team. He went to the Suns, and they are the worst team in the league. What impact does Ariza make? He's averaging 9 points, shooting 36% field goals, and 34% from 3. He's playing 33 minutes a game. Melo averages 13 and 5, 40% field goal, and 31% from the 3, only 21 minutes. He's like, I don't get how he is off the team. SMH. My response to him was all facts. I'm getting the feeling it was a setup all along. I'll touch on that in a little bit as well. But going into the numbers and Assault Team Music Group, big shout out to you. He came with numbers. And a lot of people are not into numbers. Obviously, I go by the eye test. I, I play basketball. I used to play it at a higher level back in the day. But go by the eye test but I also go by numbers obviously because if a team is better with you off the court that says a lot but if they're better with you on the court that also says a lot if you don't fit you just don't fit right 
Now, I'm not trying to advocate, say, oh, you know, Melo needs to be on the team. He's a millionaire, so I don't feel bad for him. Nobody should feel bad for him, obviously. Um, he's a millionaire, and he's had plenty of money in his day, so nobody should feel bad for Melo. However, um, this is his stats um, during his 10 games that he played. I'm going to make sure that I get the correct 10 games here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So there's the ten games. Okay, so Wednesday, um, November, sorry, October 17th, he played 27 minutes, had nine points, shot three for ten from the field, and uh, he shot one for five from three. Two turnovers, four rebounds. Okay. On the 20th of November versus the Lakers, um, oh, and versus that was versus New Orleans, that first stats that I gave to you, they wound up losing that game 112 to 131. Uh, he played 27 minutes. The next game was versus the Lakers on the 20th. He played 29 minutes, shot 3 for 10, had 7 points, 10 rebounds, 2 turnovers, 1 assist. He played... The next, uh, they wound up winning that game, 124-115. He played again the 21st versus the Clippers. They wound up losing that game, 112-115. He played 27 minutes, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 1 turnover. Shot 3 for 8 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3. Um, next game versus Utah. They wound up losing that game, 100-89. He played 39 minutes, wound up scoring 22 points, he had two assists, seven rebounds, shot nine for 17 for the field, three of eight for from three-point land. Next game versus the Clippers. They wound up losing 133 to 113. He played 34 minutes, scored 24 points, had seven, uh, sorry, two rebounds, shot eight of 18 from the field, six of 10 from three-point line. Next game versus Portland, they lose 104 to 85. He played 31 minutes, scored eight points, had four rebounds, scored two, shot two of 12 from the field, zero from two from three point land. He also played next game in November, second versus Brooklyn. They wound up winning 119 to 111. He wound up scoring, uh, sorry, he played 31 minutes, scored 28 points. He wound up getting four rebounds he shot nine of 12 from the field six of nine so you guys can kind of see where i'm going with this the last good game he played was um in chicago they wound up winning 96 to 88 he played 32 minutes he scored 17 points on 8 of 14 shooting one of seven from three-point line and he got seven he also had seven rebounds um his last game he wound up playing was in okc funny enough uh that his his career might be over after being on OKC and then playing in OKC, was they lost 98 to 80. He played 20 minutes, scored two points, had five rebounds, 111 from the field, zero from six from three. So obviously, we have figured out by now, guys. This was just a bad fit from the beginning. Um, but it doesn't. He doesn't. Sound, that doesn't sound. Those stats aren't of a washed player. Um, the field goal percentage. Not that great, but again, when you're in D'Antoni's system, you're going to get shots up like crazy. So, you know, in 20 minutes, 
uh, one for 11 sounds horrible because it is, but he got 11 shots up. The only time that he shot over, I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot over 20 times not one game. Um, the, the best game that he had was the 28-point game, and he shot 9 of 12. Uh, he was 6 of 9 from 3, and that was versus Brooklyn. Uh, then he shot uh, 18 times in the Clipper game, he scored 24 points. So out of these games, he scored one, two, three, three times out of the seven out of the ten games, he scored more than twenty points. Once he scored seventeen points, which is over ten, and he only scored zero points in none of those games. He at least scored two points in the last game, which was horrible. And he played twenty minutes, he scored two points, and um, he didn't go scoreless in any of those games. Uh, so he was still a factor. His plus minus is probably not very good. I didn't look that up because uh, that's I'm not going to get into those advanced metrics, but. That being said, this does not sound of a washed player to me. Does it sound like regular Carmelo Anthony that we're all used to? Hell no. But, again, he is getting older. He's not a LeBron James. Uh, nobody's a LeBron James. Um, well, like I said, I'll talk about that later on. My thing is that this was a bad fit. Um, Daryl Morey, I think, forced this upon Mike D'Antoni. And I think Mike D'Antoni being Mike D'Antoni, he kind of didn't want to rock the boat. And he wanted to show Daryl Morey that this was not going to work. And he did not put Melo in the best situations to shine. Um, you know, in the case of this, Daryl Morey obviously is his boss. He's the general manager. I think he was pushing more for this for anything. Um, I think Chris Paul might have had a bit to do with this as well. They are very good friends. So in probably consulting with Chris Paul or Chris Paul talking to Daryl Morey, he probably said hey yeah that's my good friend I think we can make this work um, I'm here I believe if anything we can make this work I can make this work with him so they went ahead and got him um, D'Antoni probably had his reservations about the situation and they, you know Daryl Morey just said probably hey just make it work you know if not you know it doesn't it doesn't cost us much um, and you know we can cut our losses if, if that's the case and, and if someone tells you that, and if you don't particularly care for someone because in your last job, just think of it this way. Think of it in a human aspect of it, and you are in a workplace with somebody, you do not, that person rubs you the wrong way, you don't get along with that person, you wind up finding a better opportunity somewhere else, and you say, you know what, I'm out of here, I'm going to go to this other situation, better job, and you're not there, so that makes it the best part. Then that person winds up coming to your company, you know, four or five years down the road you still don't care for that person because it was a horrible experience this person put you you know they made your life a living hell in the previous job and now they're coming to your company in this job now you might have a little bit more clout in this situation in this new job and maybe you have a little bit of axe to grind with that person um and this is not to say that everybody's like this but there are people that are out there like that and if you know you got it and if you're that type of person you kind of have to accept that fact that you are and even if you aren't a malicious person, sometimes it's just you, you don't get along with everybody. So in this particular case, Meg D'Antoni and Carmelo Anthony, they didn't get along well together in New York. And he was the reason, Carmelo was the reason that Mike D'Antoni wound up resigning from the New York Knicks. Um, so if that's the case, and Daryl Morris kind of forced this upon you, and the guys in the locker room are open to the situation, you don't want to... You want to ingratiate yourself with these guys. So you don't want to go against Chris Paul because he's known to be a coach killer. You don't want to go against James Harden because obviously he's the franchise. And if it's, versus, if it's you versus James Harden, they're going to pick James Harden 10 out of 10 times. So 
you kind of just go along with it, you know, and it's like, well, okay, well, I don't think it's going to work, and it's more than likely not going to work, and I'm probably going to make sure that it doesn't work. So then when it doesn't work, then, you know, we just get rid of them, and then that's that. Now, Mike D'Antoni said all the right things. He didn't, you know, he didn't say anything um, that was, that would tip anybody off that he didn't like Carmelo. He didn't, um, he didn't act in any sort of way either. He said all the right things, as Carmelo said all the right things, but behind the scenes, you know, certain things can happen that, you know, might we might not know about, and they might come out later on, or they might never come out, but the way things played out on the floor, we saw what happened, and the way that things are playing out currently, we can see what happened, what's, what's going on. Now, the other little tidbit is that the defensive coordinator or coach, whatever you want to call him, for the Houston Rockets, he wound up leaving abruptly um they call it because it was family situation family reasons but he also has history with carmelo anthony in denver and they have a history of them not getting along either butting heads consistently constantly um he was i believe carmelo's first coach in denver before george call came around if i'm not mistaken if i am mistaken please somebody uh you know correct me but from what i've read and, and seen he has a past with Carmelo they did not get along and that's that so that being said he wound up leaving I believe in uh, October uh, or no or November November I believe he wound up leaving and uh, it was supposedly due to Carmelo Anthony um, and the whole that whole situation not only that, but they say it's some family situation as well. So that being said, obviously, he didn't like Carmelo. He has a history with him. D'Antoni, that whole history, recipe for disaster. And uh, that's how I feel that whole thing played out there. Now, getting to the LeBron thing. LeBron supposedly was interested in the Lakers signing a Carmelo Anthony. And I'm going to use this to close this out, this episode out. I think Carmelo could play with LeBron James. And I think anybody could play LeBron James. I think I could play with LeBron James. So, and LeBron James has a way of making people look very well. Um, and it's not looking well. It's He plays to their strengths. Now, he took somebody who, uh, like a J.R. Smith, and I'm not going to say like a J.R. Smith. I'm not shitting on J.R. Smith whatsoever. He is a, he's a good NBA player. He's obviously in the NBA um, for a reason, he can play basketball. But he took someone like a J.R. Smith, who was kind of known for being a knucklehead in New York um, and his other stops, but he was a six-man of the year with the New York Knicks, so let's not forget about that. And he played very well. But after that whole situation, he didn't play very well. So he took a J.R. Smith. He, he's taken a Tristan Thompson. He's taken um, people like Damon Jones, he's James Jones. Uh, I don't know if there's any more Joneses out there, but, you know, guys like that who are kind of, you know, fringe players at best on a on a good team, on a, on a good roster, you know, they would just be bench guys, and he plays to their strengths. Um, Booby Gibson, for example. Um, there was the other guy, what's his, I don't even remember his name from, oh my gosh, uh, Mario Chalmers. He made him look like a serviceable point guard, and we saw what he left. Mario Chalmers, I don't even know if he plays basketball anymore. So... He has a way of playing to people's strengths and making them look well, putting them into positions on the court 
to shine and he's very much like a coach in that way and I don't want to get into too much about the LeBron uh, thing because I want to touch on that in, in a separate episode uh, just speaking on him but I think if Carmelo were to play for the Lakers and I don't know if Magic and Palinka are even remotely interested in bringing Carmelo I think the way that they're playing now I think it would mess things up. I think if Melo would have went to the Lakers in the beginning of the year, things would have been a lot different. I think that would have been something that um, would have suited him a lot better. Just playing with LeBron, period, the end, uh, would have suited him a lot better. However, um, there were there were reports that that Lakers did invite him to a um, to work out or something and he just he didn't even go or he didn't respond or something like that which to me is ludicrous um if you're Carmelo Anthony why you wouldn't want to play with LeBron or you wouldn't want to at least look look into look into going to LA I don't understand that but again there's things that, that he does that, that doesn't make too much sense um uh, just not even speaking on a personal level just on a basketball level but um I think if he were to go, if that were to open up, although I don't know who they would give him, I don't know who they would take away minutes from to give to him. Michael Beasley doesn't play too many minutes to begin with. Um, he's playing a little bit more now, um, and you know they're winning, so it's not like they really need Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony needs he needs a team more now than any team needs him, and and that's the situation that he's in. Unfortunately for him, that's the, the that's. That's the situation that he's in. There's no team right now that's really any good that would look into picking him up that really needs him. Um, and I know that some a lot of people say that you know the ISO game is dead, but every team has a player that plays a little bit of isolation. Like right now, you know, you look at the Rockets, and that obviously is James Harden. Uh, if you look at Golden State, even though they move move the ball around when when Things get heavy, times get tough. They get the ball to Kevin Durant. Um, Portland, they have Dame Lillard. You know, every team has their go-to guy. Um, you know, right now the Sixers, even they traded for Jimmy Butler, and he's new on the team as Jimmy Butler. And I'll, I want to talk about uh, a Jimmy Butler situation as well and talking that, about that in a, in a separate episode. But it's Jimmy Butler. So every team has, even if they move the ball around and this, that, and the third, you know, the Spurs are known for that as well, but they have um, either LaMarcus Aldridge or they'll get the ball, obviously, to DeRozan. So you can't really give me the excuse or the um, the opinion that no team is, you know, it's ISO. You know, he's ISO, and there's no team that plays ISO ball anymore because every team has somebody that they give the ball to, and they say, go get me a bucket. Unfortunately, there's no team that I could see in my mind that would suit Carmelo Anthony in a winning environment that that's not developing talent that uh would be able to say once you come aboard and you know we when we need a bucket we'll give you the ball you, you know it's your world you do whatever you want he's 34 years of age it's really to the point now where it's he's he's, he's not that player anymore he's a great now he's a great complimentary piece he would be a great six man um and he needs to accept that role obviously going forward if any team does pick him up now if he played with LeBron I think he probably would be able to extend himself out a little bit more um, say for example if he were to be there in conjunction with LeBron uh, because if we look at it Dwayne Wade did that kind of same thing Dwayne Wade obviously is not a starter anymore he's, he's obviously um, a great 
sixth man. He's coming off of the bench in Miami, but he accepted that role. He also accepted that role in Cleveland. But if you look how the whole dynamic with Dwayne Wade and LeBron played out, LeBron really extended Dwayne Wade's career because Dwayne Wade was he he's been broken down for quite a while. And there's nothing against Dwayne Wade. He just played at 100 miles per hour, and he, he was always falling and, and hurting and, and hitting the deck. And every play he seemed like after he was on the floor, um, he just played so hard. Um, and for so long, he was the number one guy. So if you look at it, LeBron extended his, his career out um, a, a considerable amount. And he does that with a lot of the players that, that play with him. So I think if Carmelo were to go to the Lakers, that would be probably a good fit. They might find it. I think LeBron would figure out a way. I'm not going to say Luke Walton. Obviously, we know if, if LeBron is on any team, we know who's coaching the team for the most part. And when things are going on on the floor, what's happening. Um, so I think that that would be a good fit for him. Would that take away from, you know, the Kuzmas, the Ingrams, um, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart? You know, those, those, I've already named four guys. And then you have LeBron. That's a five. That's, that's your starting lineup. Um, so... Then you got Rondo when he comes back. You have Michael Beasley, who's on the bench. You got Lance Stevenson, who's, who plays. You have Jamil McGee, who plays. So it's like, you know, that's already nine guys. Um, if they pick up Carmelo, they he would obviously want to play. And then it's like you have all of those guys. Now, all of those guys aren't great players, right? LeBron is the, is the greatest player on that team. He's probably the greatest player in the NBA right now based off of what he's done with that team the guys that he's running with so they're not great players but all of those guys have personalities like that's probably the most personalities on any team the crazy personalities at that I'm not even gonna say like they're regular you know guys that you can go and say okay I'm gonna talk to these two guys the same then I'm gonna talk to these two guys the same no like each person you have to speak differently on that team it's crazy so how do you manage those minutes going 10 deep um, on a team like that, getting everybody minutes, then you bring Carmelo Anthony into the mix, and you want to give him minutes. Him and LeBron are friends, so it's like you, can't, you don't want to piss him off as being being the coach. So it, it, that would be a sticky situation if they did bring him along. Um, his, you know, his his metrics don't show that great. Um, again, that team right now, the Lakers, they they run up and down the court like crazy. They're like greyhounds, and the reason that happens is because they have young players. Um, and then, of course, they have LeBron. So in the half-court setting, you'd give the ball to LeBron, you let him go to work, or you you know, um, you give the ball to um, Lonzo. Lonzo, you let him go to work and create some stuff. Um, then when Rondo comes back, he's good at setting things up and pick and roll and things of that nature. So, you know, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, they just fly up and down the court, and you got those three guys running. You got LeBron, who's still running up and down the court like Madden, and if you have JaVale McGee trailing or going down the court, you got four or five guys that are flying at you every possession that they can. And then to bring Carmelo Anthony into that mix, who's not known for that, I don't know if his conditioning is up there. He didn't look like he was running too fast up and down the court when he was playing. And, of course, he's an older guy now, so that wouldn't suit him too well um, at his advanced age. And he's just never been that kind of player to go run up and down the court. Um, so I don't think that that whole situation would fit him. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Um, I, like, like I said I, before, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I appreciate you guys giving me your feedback on this entire situation with Carmelo Anthony. Um, we can keep the narrative. Uh, we can keep the narrative going if you guys want to talk about it. 
um, until he links up with a team, I don't know if I'll talk about it again, unless, like I said, unless you guys want to keep talking about this. Um, but until he gets on a team, um, I don't know if there's much else to say, man. I, I don't think that um, there's really too much else to say because of the fact that he is not on a team. And it doesn't look like he's going to be on a team for the foreseeable future. He doesn't look like, um, and it doesn't look like, it doesn't sound like anybody's very interested in him either. So, you know, there's that. Um, just really quick to go over uh, the whole Joakim Noah thing. And for anybody who's a fan of Joakim Noah, you know, uh, more power to you. I'm not a fan of his just for the fact of what um, transpired in New York. Also, what he's recently come out and said about a couple of days ago or a day ago where he said that he was too lit for New York. Um, to finish this off, he was, he, and this, he said this himself, that when he was playing in New York, that it didn't work out because he's too lit for New York. I'm too lit to play in, in New York City is what his words were. Um, he was known to party all the time, at pretty much every night, always had people um, over his, you know, hanging out with him or whatever the case may be. Um, team sources were known to tell Porzingis and Frank Nilakina, which are the two young um, New York Knicks players, not to hang out with Joakim Noah because he was known to party way too much. And team officials knew this and they didn't particularly care for it. Um, Jeff Hornacek also knew of this, obviously, and didn't particularly care for it. He is a pro's pro, especially when he played, and he was not up with the shenanigans, and he butted heads with Joaquin Noah also for that same reason. Um, so that's just a little tidbit on that. Now, for his stats since he's come back and played um, in the five games that he's played, <clears throat> excuse me, with the, the Grizzlies, um... Let me see, just make to make sure that he that's exactly five games. One, two, three, four. Well, actually, he's played one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, six. Six games. So in the sixth game that he's played, he's in the first game he played was uh, versus the Clippers. He scored four points, scored 13 points, six points, four points, four points, five points. So, and he's played, you know, played 13 minutes, 17 minutes, 18 minutes, 19 minutes, 13 minutes, 13 minutes. Um, averaging six points a game. That sounds to me more like a complimentary player. Sounds more like to me a player, and he's 33, so he's not that much younger than Carmelo, um, who's in a right situation. Um, he's playing, you know, not a lot of minutes. He's playing 13, you know, he's between playing 10 to 15 minutes average a game. So he's averaging 15.5 minutes a game. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff is a coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. He's doing a good job of putting him in the position to look well, um, obviously. Um, 13 points is no, you know, in the NBA, that's against the Pelicans at that, is not anything to scoff at. So he's doing well. Um, I imagine if that if he stays healthy and stays out of trouble, that he'll probably continue to play at a decent clip. Um, and, you know, he'll... If he can stay healthy, they'll probably keep him around for a while, and other teams will see that, okay, well, he can play, you know, sparse minutes, but he can still play, he can still go, and he'll probably have a pretty decent career going forward um, until he runs, winds up retiring or winds up doing whatever he's going to do. So will it be the same for Carmelo? I don't know. 
Um, I hope that this is not the end of the road for him because I do like him as a player. Um, I do like the things that he does out off the court as far as charities and things of that nature. So as a person, he does a lot of philanthropy as well. Um, I do like what overall the things that he does. Um, just unfortunately that we would see him go out like this. Um, if this is his last stop, it would suck for him. It would suck for his fans. But it is what it is. Um, so let me know what you guys think. As always, I appreciate you guys taking the time out to go ahead and listen to the podcast. Uh, this is, again, this is 15 Minutes of Flame. I am, your post, I am your host, Paper Drew. If you wish to leave me a comment, go ahead and you can do so. You can leave a message at the end of this podcast, and you will have a chance to be featured on the next one. Uh, for the next couple episodes, I'll be talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about LeBron. I want to touch on uh, Jimmy Butler and Philadelphia situation, and I want to touch on some other things as well. So stay tuned for that. I appreciate you guys listening, and as always, y'all stay blessed.